worship together, isn't it? Great to be led in worship. You know, uh, this weekend, we're celebrating the birth of our nation. And when people talk about our nation, you know, they say that so many nations are formed by ethnicity. Just that's the way it works. That's the way it just comes about. But our nation was formed on an idea. Our nation was formed on the idea that uh, individuals can have freedom. Now, you know, <clears throat> for centuries, our nation's birthday has been something great to celebrate, even around the world. Our nation across the globe has been a model of freedom and opportunity and helping others in need. And millions have poured in over the, the centuries to find a better life. And even today, you know, you can hear these <clears throat> speakers that go all across the nation and they speak at colleges and other events. And a few of them that are well known, they come from other countries and they came as young adults because they wanted to see this experiment of America. And when they got here, they were amazed at the endless opportunity that our nation affords its citizens and those who come. Now, you know, one major reason why our nation is unique and has served as a model for others is really due to the belief <clears throat> that it was that the, the founders had a strong belief that there is a God who rules over the nations and he requires a certain behavior from people and one day we will all have to stand before him and give an account. And in fact, <clears throat> at the beginning of our nation, uh, they would not let people into leadership who didn't believe in God because they said, and this is in the writings, they said, if you don't believe in God, how are you going to be held accountable to rule over the people? And according to our nation, <clears throat> it was built on individual freedom, and government was meant to protect the freedoms of the people of our nation. And you can imagine how nations otherwise are formed. It's really the powerful who get to rule, and their job and their mindset is to protect their rulership. So anybody that, you know, over the centuries I'm talking about, anybody that uh, threatens the rulership has to be put down. So it's a, two completely different ideas of protecting people's rights and protecting my rulership. And you can see how that works because you see it in other areas too, not just in politics or in nations, I mean, you see it in churches. We just kind of uh, naturally lean toward protecting ourselves or protecting our rule or whatever. Now, <clears throat> I'm saying all this not trying to say that there were never any problems or are no problems in early America or now and that everyone only did what was always right. You know, our American forefathers were brought up as slaveholders, something that we see today as clearly, obviously wrong. We also recognize that the Jim Crow laws <clears throat> decades ago 
were completely racist and deplorable. But what I am saying <clears throat> is that due to our founders' belief in God, so many of them believed in the God of the Bible and read the Bible, and even ones who weren't Christians, they believed in the Bible to a large degree. They believed in the scriptures. They established a nation based upon a foundation that encouraged much good and individual freedom and respect for God. And you know, I've heard it said many times, <clears throat> we are the only nation who fought a war to end slavery and sacrificed hundreds of thousands of our people for it. And now, as we look back on where we've come as a nation, we've seen that our society has moved <clears throat> much more toward being diverse over the years and generations, and we've moved much more into secularization, meaning leaving God out. <clears throat> you know, in the early days of our nation, there were people trying to push towards secularization, and, and the framers, they fought against that, and they said, no, we have to have God in, in the framework of our nation and the foundation. And, they, and at one point, there was a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court early in our nation <clears throat> when some were suggesting that we take the Bible out of school. And, you, you know, I've, I've read the statement that came from the Supreme Court and it said, how could you have school without the Bible? And so it's, it's funny how things have changed so much today, but that's where we started and that's why we, I think, I believe, that's why we became so powerful and successful because we were ruling under God. <clears throat> but now we're seeing some who are totally bent on not only changing things in our nation, but ripping out all the vestiges of our nation's past, taking away all the principles that it was founded upon and rebuilding it with different values and structures. And there are some leaders in, in these movements, and some of these movements, <clears throat> that have clearly stated that they had been trained in Marxism. <clears throat> and they just say it as a matter of fact. They don't see anything, anything that, that to hide or anything. <clears throat> now, you know, that can be pretty frightening to think about for, for most of us. And we've already witnessed much violence and chaos and destruction from some groups. And of course, their claim is that our nation was founded upon extreme injustice and that our whole system was wrought through and through with racism and evil. And we don't know where this is going to end up. Things have been fairly chaotic. We're not, we're not knowing how far it will go, when certain, certain things will stop, how much people will get their way. But the good news is that, as disconcerting as these things may look today, we don't have to despair. I'll tell you of another time 
when things weren't very good. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ came to the earth, everything was stacked against him. You know, the circumstances surrounding his birth caused lots of rumors and misunderstandings. His birth itself was extremely primitive, wasn't even in a shelter. Well, it was in a shelter, but not in a house, right? At two years of age, he was being hunted down by the king's soldiers in order to be killed. And anyone that was his age, any boy his age, was killed that they found. But you know, then you think, well, maybe circumstances will improve for Jesus as he comes to present himself as the Messiah King. Well, here's what we find when Jesus begins his public ministry. Right after his baptism, he's driven. That's what the Bible says. It's the word that means driven is by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and tested by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights without food and water. So that's not the most pleasant start. And then when Jesus starts his public ministry, the Jewish religious leaders, you know, those who've been charged by God to help people live as children of God, to help people know the scriptures, they turned out to be self-serving, murderous, Liars. That's what Jesus came into. Jesus called them sons of hell who discipled others to become twice the sons of hell as they were. Pretty strong language. So humanly speaking, the deck was was completely stacked against him. The religious leaders had all the authority within the the Jewish religious community. They set the standards as to what was considered holy, what wasn't. But it was the kind of holiness that they promoted, which made the standard of holiness themselves. They decided who was worthy and who wasn't, who was a sinner. They knew how to show others that they were holy people fasting with long faces and hair messed up. But they lived in relative wealth while so many that they taught lived in poverty. But in spite of all that ugliness and corruption from the leaders in Israel, Jesus had this to say of his followers. John chapter 8, 31 and 32. Now Jesus is talking to the crowds in this context, and there are people there who believe, who have come to believe in him, who are considering it, people who don't believe in him, and people who are against him. It says here, to the Jews who had believed him, so he's talking to them even though there's more than that around him. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. 
Jesus is offering these people freedom. In the midst of very rough circumstances, especially uh, with the leaders, with the religious leaders, and then being under Roman domination, their own religious teachers being hypocrites and power hungry, how can Jesus be offering them freedom? <clears throat> well, Jesus said it's by knowing the truth. Verse 32, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So it's truth that sets a person free. You know, if your gas gauge isn't true, that's not freedom, is it? <clears throat> Whenever we get something wrong, in fact, a more serious one is that Back a long time ago in, in medical schools, pretty, pretty primitive ones, uh, they would have these young aspiring doctors working on corpses. And then <clears throat> they would get a call to go help with birthing a baby. And babies were dying because they didn't understand at that time, they didn't know the truth of invisible germs, and they would carry germs from dead bodies over to newborn babies. And it's the truth that sets you free. It's knowing what actually is true. But how do you find truth? Is there such a thing as truth? You know, in our culture today, people will say, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. And I said before that the Oxford Dictionaries word of the year for 2016 was post-truth. We're beyond truth. There is no one truth. And even Pilate said that to Jesus, didn't he? Jesus said to Pilate, I came into the world to testify to the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? How can anyone know the truth? Well, look at the verses again. It says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You become my followers. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we can know the truth by accepting and holding on to Jesus' teaching. And if we accept and hold on to Jesus' teaching... It makes us his disciples. And if we live as disciples of Jesus, then we gain wisdom and we are able to discern the truth. And then through that truth, we find freedom. <clears throat> Jesus told them what he was talking about mainly in this context was that he came from God and he brought the truth from God, and he was the Savior. And, you know, some were believing that he was the Messiah. Some weren't believing that. But Jesus says, if we become his disciples, then we can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Do we really believe that is true? Do we believe that if we become followers of Jesus, 
that following him will enable us to discern the truth. And then through that truth that we discern, we can find true freedom. Because isn't freedom just being able to do anything we want to do? Isn't freedom just being able to make your own decisions, not having to answer to anybody else? Isn't freedom when we earn enough money so we can buy all the things we want to have? Isn't freedom when we can buy the house we want, the cars we want, the luxuries we want? Isn't that freedom? I think that's what most people would say, wouldn't it be? Isn't freedom having the job we want, not having to answer to anyone else? Being able to set our own daily schedule, being able to take the vacations that we want to take. Why is Jesus saying that it is truth that sets us free? It almost seems like truth sometimes hinder us, hinders us from being free. You know, today in our society, we have people bucking against what the world has considered truth for all of human history. And they're bucking against that because they're saying it limits their freedom to be who they want to be. They're not going to let science tell them they have to be this way or that way. So they start changing long-held definitions in order to adopt their own truth. And you see, that's where we are today. And they say they are finding freedom by changing the truth. But Jesus says we find freedom by knowing the truth. Well, you know, there were some listening to Jesus <clears throat> who really weren't buying what he was saying. And so in the next verses, next verse, it says, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. Now, these are the ones who, who weren't, you know, agreeing we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? You know, they're basically saying, we don't need to be set free. We don't have to go through that whole process of believing in you as a Messiah, and becoming your follower, and then discerning the truth, and then that truth will set us free. We're already free. We're sons of Abraham. We are in the line of Abraham. We're connected to God through Abraham, the friend of God. <clears throat> Was there ever a time in your life, or have you ever known someone who thought they were a Christian because they attended church growing up? or walk the aisle at a revival, or read their Bible from time to time, or have given to charities, or they've lived a pretty decent life, a lot better than the guy down the street. That's kind of the same thought that these uh, people had, these Jews had that were bucking against Jesus' teaching. They're saying, hey, we're connected to God. 
We're descendants of Abraham. We're part of the chosen race. And they're banking their eternal destinies on their blood connection to Abraham. So in that sense, they are saying that they are already free. They don't need to become a follower of Jesus. And you know, I have talked to people, and many of you have too, that they will agree, to you, agree with you as you kind of explain the gospel. This has happened to me a number of times. They agree to a certain point, and then when you talk about following Jesus, it's like, uh, I think I'll just stay with what I got at the moment. Then they just back off. But I want you to look at verses 34 through 36. <clears throat> when they tell him that they're sons of Abraham, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. <clears throat> so Jesus is comparing this difference between a son, comparing it to the difference between a son in the family versus being a slave hired by the family or being paid by the family. Because the slave has no permanent place in the family. He's there to earn a living. A son belongs to the family forever. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. But whoever is set free by the son finds true freedom. Here's the deal. <clears throat> Anyone can claim they have their own truth. And anyone can claim that they have found a way to salvation. Or that they have the answer to what is right or wrong. Or that they know what is good and what is evil. Or what true freedom is. But if you want to be true to the Bible... There is only one definitive answer. Jesus Christ came to the earth to bring us salvation from God. Jesus Christ came to testify to the truth. That was what began this whole questioning thing. He is the eternal Son of God, the only one through whom we can receive forgiveness of sin. It's only through Christ. And that is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And if we want true freedom, freedom from the slavery of sin, we have no other option than to go to Jesus Christ and accept who he says he is and accept what he did for us, and accept who he says we are, sinners lost in need of a Savior. And then when we know that, when we do that, we can know the truth, and that truth will set us free. Because it will set us free from our sin through Jesus Christ.
So, you know, now we have all this confusion and chaos sweeping across our nation. And for many, <clears throat> the answer is ripping out everything our nation was built upon. And you see, they're saying that is the pathway to freedom, ripping out everything they don't believe in, everything that's stopping them from getting what they want. That's their pathway to freedom. But Jesus says, no, it's not going after everything you want. It's not ripping out, you know, the enemy's props. It's not even close. And so we need to pray for our nation, our leaders. We know that chaos and destruction are not the answers to building a society. But the good news is that we know the way to true freedom. No matter where things end up politically, we know what true freedom is. We know where it comes from. We know how to get there and what it takes. It's found in acknowledging the truth in Jesus Christ. And if we walk away or reject Christ, we lose all discernment. When people reject Christ, <clears throat> as many do and many have, you start losing all discernment. And you start having to change definitions of things that we've held onto for millennia just to make your truth fit. The sermon comes from knowing the truth in Christ. And Jesus says if we come, become his disciple, and, and you know what we're talking about there is <clears throat> being in the word of God. How do we become a disciple? How do we become a follower of Jesus? How do we become more like Christ? It's being in the word of God. It's having a prayer relationship with Jesus. It's having accountability with others being a part of a body of Christ. It's helping others who need help. It's exercising our gifts in the church and in the community, in our neighborhood. It's sharing Christ with others. And then we become a follower of Christ. And as we continue down that pathway, we become more discerning because we are accepting the truth. And that truth sets us free. It's opposite of what the world thinks. They think if we rip things out and change definitions, we'll become free. Opposite. It's going to Christ and accepting his word. So we need to keep spreading the good news. We need to keep telling people about true salvation, telling them the way to find true freedom. And it is difficult to watch our nation move further away from God. But, you know, that is just the way of humanity. It's right from the beginning, humanity has moved away from God. <clears throat> but God has placed us here as lights for those living in darkness. And we represent the light of the world. And when someone finds the light and lives by that, then they can begin to discern truth and find freedom. So on this 4th of July weekend, we carry the message of true freedom. 
It's found in Jesus Christ. He is the bright light of true freedom, especially in dark times. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are so faithful and worthy and glorious and loving. And we thank you for your plan of salvation. And we thank you that you are there ready for us to grasp who you are and follow you and get to know you and become close to you so that we can discern truth and be free. And we pray that we can lead so many others to that and be a positive part of our community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.